Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On the show, we talk about the system that we use to get clarity on our goals, certainty that we have the tools to reach them, and wealthy on our turns by rigging the game in our favor. And we share it here because we want to help you reach your goals on your terms. You've been told to scale, buy all these products from all these different people, generally meaning, you know, good intentions. So it's not your fault when you look around and you ask yourself, why am I not where I want to be inside my business? And as our mentor and business partner, Dan Nicholson says, the biggest risk we take is not getting what we want out of life. Got my good friend and business partner in the Well Club here, Mr. Paul Sparks himself, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. And guys, if you get value out of this show, please hit that subscribe button right now. That way we can help more people get wealthy on their terms. Title for today's show is three tools that create massive asymmetry in your business. Now, before we get started, Paul, six word update. What do you got? Well, the boys are back, Steve. First <laughs> of all, uh, that's not my six word update, but man, it's it's nice to be back here doing podcasts again. You and I have been out traveling for the last couple of weeks. And oh yeah, it just felt a little off. So nice to be back here with you, man. Uh, looking forward to this show today because asymmetric bets are probably the uh, my favorite thing in the world and mm -hmm. learning about this. This is uh, a concept that really I got familiar with working with, with Dan and Nick, but my six word update today is asymmetric bets can't lose long term. Yeah. Brilliant title. Brilliant, brilliant six word update. And I, I learned something actually from Tom Kroll while we we're at family mastermind about how to create asymmetric bets. So we'll definitely talk about that at some point. Okay. Uh, my six word update, wrong rooms makes chasing closer difficult man all right so monday tuesday wednesday right family mastermind matt andrew is a fantastic group you and i were both there and you know you just hear what everyone's doing in their business and you just kind of look up like man that's pretty awesome right and you get all these dopamine hits you're you're you're, you're wondering about what's possible <laughs> and it's um it's not a bad thing you just if if you don't have clarity on your goals, on your solvable problem, it'd be really easy to get distracted, right? And then after that, I go to ClickFunnels, where I hang out with Brian Manley for a couple of days, who's gonna be on PTD later on today. And uh, you know, you got these guys with their flashy awards, right? Two Comma Club, two CX, which means ten million plus in revenue. And you look at that, it's like, man, that's really cool. I want to do that too. And you have to remember, all right, I have a solvable problem. Does this get me closer? Now, I'm not, not saying here that these rooms are bad because I am taking things and I'm going to be applying it to my business. But the things I'm taking lead to my solvable problem versus chasing closer. But man, I, I, will, I will share with you, there were a couple of hours where you're chasing more for a couple of hours. So. Yeah. Well, it feels so good on the brain, you know, to see these things. And yeah, it's the dopamine hits that we get. We see somebody else doing something and we're like, man. I could do that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's something, the, the, the key word here is restraint. Yeah. When you, as Dr. Jeff would say, when we walk into these rooms, it's okay to be surrounded by people that are doing, playing big games. They're, they have success. I mean, but I think the critical part here is you got to have a framework and mm -hmm. to filter this information and you got to have restraint because it's a quick way to get in there and just start getting distracted by all the shiny objects and all the things that we could do. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, that's what certainty did for us. That's what the solvable problem and all the stuff we talk about on this show is, is designed to do is to help you filter the decisions um, 
that are going to every single day. I mean, we like to say in whale club all the time, this is live ammo. Like we are in the field right now. Bullets yeah. are flying everywhere. <laughs> How do you make decisions? Um, well, that's the good question. Are you making it from a state of calm, from a state of restraint, from a state of having clarity on what it is that you want mm -hmm. and analyzing things on whether this, this gets you closer or are you chasing more? And so, yeah, we were tested last few weeks. Yeah, we were um, tested. Yeah. So like, is that you look at it, it's like we can have those things at what cost? What are we willing to give up? Which is going to be what we're talking about today's show. Right. Right. So what's exactly. the problem? Why, why? Why do we need these three tools to create massive asymmetry? Well, I'm going to just speak like about myself. Um, I, I'm not suggesting that everyone does this, but this is what's something that I was doing was let's talk about the word asymmetric for, you know, just to start. Well, mm -hmm. what is that? It implies that it's lopsided. It means like one side is bigger than the other. Mm -hmm. Symmetry, I think of, again, I'm just an engine nerd. I think of, you know, the, a barbell, right? If you think, or um, not a barbell, like a, um, uh, a bell curve is what I'm trying to say. So think about a bell curve, right? Where you've got 50% on, on one side and 50% on another. That would be a symmetric bet, you know? 50% um, of the time it goes well, 50% of the time maybe it doesn't go so well. Yeah. That would be a symmetric bet. And what I found is I was taking a lot of symmetric bets in my business. The problem is you can't always realize the trade-offs at the time. You know, you, you make a, a bet, let's say on marketing or hiring someone or buying a flip or again, insert whatever it is. Everybody here is in real estate. So we all do different things in real estate, but we look at it as we only pay attention to the upside. Mm -hmm. But I've had so, you know, I'm, I was just over at a flip that we're just almost out of the one I talk about all the time. That was a classic asymmetric bet, but to the wrong way. Mm -hmm. The downside was huge and the upside was, you know, not that big. And so really the problem is, is that we're not taking consistent asymmetric bets in our business. And it's hard to see that. So what we'll do is we'll give you some frameworks today that we use like every single day in our business to zoom out so that we can create asymmetric bets to the upside. The yeah. idea here is that if we take bets that have a lot more upside on them than downside over time, it's really hard to lose doing that. Some of the bets are going to go wrong, right? Again, mm -hmm. it's about how do we make sure that the downside is not going to take us out of the game. It's acceptable. And then relative to the upside, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, just to reiterate again, right? S symmetry, right? I mean, for those going back to geometry, right? You take a circle, cut it down the middle. That's symmetric, right? So how does that look in, in bets? That's a coin flip, right? Heads, I win a dollar. Tails, you win a dollar. That's a symmetric bet, right? What's wrong with that bet? Well, you don't lose anything, but it's a pointless bet, right? Yeah. If every day you went to work and all you did was flip coins and you win, if it's a head, you win a thousand for the day, it tells you lose a thousand dollars for the day. What is the point? And that sounds really um, overly simple and, and, and dumb perhaps, but that's how a lot of us run our businesses. We'll take a risk and wait for the reward. And when we were saying uh, the asymmetric bets, what I was doing a lot, it wasn't the dollars, right? Investing the dollars, the dollars always worked out, right? Like if I, if I invest a thousand here, the ROI was generally positive. So it wasn't that this, it was an uh, asymmetric bet where I was investing a thousand in marketing that, that wasn't turning into 5,000. That would happen. The asymmetric bet was I was taking time 
effort, energy, meetings, brain damage, putting out fires. If I could take those resources and apply it to higher leverage uh, upside asymmetric bets, that's where the payoff is, right? So what we're encouraging is we're talking about it's not just current, it's not just dollars, but let me use an example that is just dollars. If today Paul and I are flipping coins, right? Heads, I win dollar. Tails, he wins ten dollars. Paul can play this game all day, right? Mm -hmm. So using that as an example, that's what we're talking about as far as asymmetric bets. Right. Well, and let's let's dig into that right there. I love that. So an asymmetric bet might be you bet a dollar, and if you win this game, you win ten dollars. Mm -hmm. Right. If you lose, you lose the dollar. Well, if we're talking about a dollar, that is, I think most of us could afford to lose a dollar. Right. Right. If it was, let's bet a hundred thousand dollars to win a million dollars. That's also an asymmetric bet, mm -hmm. as long as you can afford to lose the hundred thousand if it doesn't go well. Right. Right. And again, back to probabilities. But we use this game as we like to say. Let's play this game, Steve, and let's use this illustration because mm -hmm. most of us have a have a bias towards only seeing the upside. And let let's let's demonstrate for people what we mean. So we use this we use this game. We say, let's play a game. You ready to play, Steve? Let's go. Okay. So it's going to cost you ten dollars mm -hmm. to play this game. Okay. I can and if you yeah, if you lose ten dollars, okay, you know, no big deal. It costs you ten dollars. If you win this game, you win a million bucks. Huge upside. Yeah. Right. And in fact, you can play up to six times. So mm -hmm. you can bet six times, and uh, if you win, you win a million dollars. And in fact, you have an 83% chance of winning this game. So 83% of the time you bet this $10, you're going to win a million bucks. Mm -hmm. You still want to play? Sounds pretty good. Sounds great, right? Mm -hmm. Again, but what if I told you this game was Russian roulette? I hope we're playing with, you know, rubber bullets. I mean, rubber bullets. <laughs> oh, we're playing with foam bullets. <laughs> right. And, and we use this, again, we use this story because most of us are geared towards, well, yeah, I'll bet $10. And if I win, I win a million bucks. And 83% of the time, well, what is that? Well, there's six bullets in a chamber, in a revolver, mm -hmm. right? And if you have one bullet in there, that's uh, one out of six, which is 17%. So 17% of the time, you're going to blow your head off. 83% mm -hmm. of the time, you're going to win a million bucks. Right. Would you still play that game? Absolutely not. No way, because the chance of total ruin is present in that bet. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you bet that $10, it's not like you just lose $10, you also lose your life. Right. So these this is what we mean is that most of us don't consider the actual downside. We look at it as like, well, I might lose a little bit of money, but there's a lot of other trade-offs to these bets that you're not considering. So first thing that I want to address as we're talking about making asymmetric bets is first we've got to get off the table anything that could lead to total ruin. And what I mean by that is don't bet anything that even if it was a small chance that it doesn't, that it totally blows up in your face and you lose all your capital or it all goes to, you know, just total shit, mm -hmm. right? Like, are you going to be still okay? Because right. if that bet is on the table, you are exposed to complete and total ruin and taking yourself out of the game. So the first rule of betting is you got to be able to, to, to show up to continue betting, right? Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're betting a, a $100,000 and it's your last $100,000, 
if it goes well, you make a million bucks. But if you lose, you go back to zero and now you're in bankruptcy. I would say that's probably a bad bet. You're yeah. leaving total ruin on the table. Well, I mean, right now, let's look around, right? So for me personally, I have to personally guarantee this lease I'm in, right? So we're spending about $9,000 a month on our lease. Yeah. Five years, right? 60, 60 months. That's me personally guaranteeing $600,000, right, for the length of the lease. But that's a bet that I feel pretty good about, right? It's over a duration. Uh, but that's a consideration. In the future, I might not do any more personal guarantees, depending on where I'm at, right, and my risk tolerance and where how close I am to my solvable problem. But right now, what are we seeing? We're hearing a bunch of murmurs and rumbles of people's reputations getting destroyed right now because they raised private capital, right? They borrowed money from friends, and the market shifted. Payments have slowed down, right? This is a game where if you played it wrong, you might be facing financial ruin. Now, you might think, but Steve, I played it smart. This is an investment. They knew the risk. They knew that if, things, if the market shifted, that they might lose their money. And I get that, right? But what's your name worth? Sure. How many people have to say, hey, I lent money to Steve Trang, and he didn't pay me back? No, one's care no one cares about the contract. No one's going to be like, oh, well, Steve didn't personally guarantee it. They're going to hear, Steve borrowed money, and he didn't pay it back. Mm -hmm. That's enough to have personal ruin attached to your brand. Right. That's so true, man. And it's just not about, it's not all about money, right? Like we have to consider all of the other currencies as we talk about again. If you've heard us talk on this show, you know we talk about this framework called A Timer. Yeah. And it's a way to think through the different currencies that we have quickly. I'll just hit it. A attention. You know, what's the risk to your attention? Uh, again, yeah, attention, time, impact, money, energy, and relationships. These are the different currencies that we talk about. And I want to add something to what you just said. Here's the thing about most people. Most people don't think they are most people, right? Right. This, would, this could never happen to me. Yep, it probably happens to someone else, but it would never happen to me. Mm -hmm. That is... Uh, Something that I've observed about myself, something that I've observed about most people that I know is that most people don't think that they're most people. They don't think that that could happen to them. They don't anticipate a worst case scenario, or maybe they do, but um, they still make the bet. And then, of course, every now and then this, this happens. So, yeah, again, first thing we want to talk about with asymmetric bets is take anything off the table that could lead to total ruin in any of the currencies that we mentioned, especially in real estate. Money and relationships, yeah. right? Those, in my opinion, are the two main drivers inside of real estate. I believe that this whole business is about relationships, period. And your reputation is everything. So if you're putting yourself in position where you could be exposed to total ruin in your relationships, I would say that's a bet. First of all, let's take that off the table. Absolutely. Now, we use the first framework I want to talk about today is what we call the barbell framework. And boy, is this my all-time favorite framework, right? Um, we could have just called Whale Club Barbells or something. I don't know. But <laughs> really, this I think of this as like the, the starting point to create asymmetric bets. So I want those that are listening to this to picture a barbell in your head, right? And when you look at a barbell, what do you notice? You notice that weight is loaded on one side or the other. 
it would be really odd to walk into a gym and see somebody trying to load weights, hang kettlebells or fit a, you know, a plate over the little collar there and load it in the middle of the bar. It's just, that's not how barbells are loaded. And why is that? Because it, it would topple over, right? It, there's no right. stability to it. It, it would, um, it would be really difficult to lift that barbell as well. And so when we talk about the barbell framework, this is uh, really shortening a concept that a guy named Nassim Nicholas Taleb talked about in his book, Anti-Fragile, another one of my favorite books uh, right here. If you haven't read that, go pick it up. And, and he talks about what he calls a bimodal strategy. So bimodal just means one side or the other. We just call it a barbell mm -hmm. because it's just easy to understand. So the idea with the barbell, and again, if you're picturing this in your head, I want you to think of one side of the barbell as reliability. You know, uh, you and I were members of Collective Genius, and there's something I've heard uh, Jason Medley say ever since day one. He says, you got to have a consistent, predictable, and reliable business. That's what we're talking about on one side of the bar. Mm -hmm. That reliable side of the barbell is there to serve our solvable problem. What I mean by that is we want to get that side of the barbell. So this is things, maybe it's, it's, it's highly reliable stuff. Maybe it's rental properties for you. Maybe you've got a highly reliable business. You know, week in, month in, month out, year in, year out, you're going to hit very consistently a certain floor in that business. That's the idea with the solvable problem is how do we get the reliable side of the barbell to fund the things that we want in life, our core priorities and our preferences, as we like to say. Right. So. The idea is not necessarily to build that business and just scale it as big as possible. Scale and reliability are antonyms, okay? Mm -hmm. they're, they're completely opposite. You can't scale and have high reliability at the same time, right? Because inherently when you're scaling, you're introducing new stuff, you're, you're growing the team, you're adding more components, and then over time you make that reliable. So... What we mean is on one side, we want reliability. On the other side, we want to take bets that have high upside and low downside. That's what we mean when we say asymmetric. Yeah. And what I want you to think about when you picture this barbell in your head is start putting things on the bar. What do you have that's highly reliable? What do you have that's high upside and low downside? And just as important, this is the goal of the barbell framework. We've got to get stuff out of the middle of the bar. Now, the first time we ever talk to anybody about barbell strategy, the first thing they say is most people don't think that they're most people. No, I don't ever have, I don't have anything in the middle of the bar. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything that's like uh, high upside, but also really high downside. It's highly unreliable. But when you really are honest with yourself, and it took me a while to finally become honest with myself. Me too. You're not alone. I realized that I had an unreliable wholesaling business. I had an unreliable flipping business. I was trying to raise capital. I was trying to do all these different things. And it creeped into the middle of the bar. And I had all this stuff in the middle of the bar. And so first thing we want to try to do with the barbell strategy is align to one side or the other. So great way to take asymmetric bets is get stuff out of the middle. So the things that you're working on right now. Now, no shame. Maybe you've got a wholesaling business or you've got a flipping business and 
some months you do zero deals. Some months you do five deals. The next month it's two, then it's seven. And it's just like, it's all over the place. Sometimes you lose money. Sometimes you make money. That sound like any businesses that, <laughs> that we've seen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. It's, it's tough. This business is tough to make highly reliable. So no judgment, no shame here. But the idea is if your business or your investment is in the middle of the bar, what we want to try to do is either move it towards the reliable side. So what can we do to make this highly consistent, predictable, and reliable so that month in, month out, we've got an established floor, right? It's better to say, in my mind, it's better to not necessarily to say, hey, we did 10 deals in one month, and then the next month you did two, and then you did zero, and then you did five. But yeah. my point is like, well, how do we make sure we do three or four deals every single month? Because of that is the amount of money we need to take home or, you know, insert whatever it is for you. But yeah, fun um, our goals. But I mean, anyways, I think, I, but it's, if we get it reliable, that's when we can chase the upside, right? And this is like something that, you know, Paul and I have talked about online. We really haven't said, I don't think on the show here, but for me, like I look at the asymmetric bets as this is whale hunting. Like what's your whale that you're chasing, right? Like we have yeah. a whale club. Paul's exactly. whales is developments, right? My whales is scaling businesses, whether my own or someone else's. That's my upside, right? That's where we get to go chase the asymmetric bets with less risk. Yeah. Well, and the problem that I went through like this is what i did wrong I'm not saying that everybody does this but what i made a mistake of trying to do was i want the big home run plays and i want the reliable plays and i was trying to do all of it at once and it's really hard to go chase whales to go do 10 million dollar development projects if you don't have a reliable source of income right it's the stress and the anxiety is really really high mm -hmm. and so what we our approach, do whatever you want, right? But our approach is let's go build a reliable system first. And the point of that business is not to scale. It's so that we have an established floor. Because, of course, if you want to then start growing that business, that can be your asymmetric bet. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you have to do developments. I'm not saying you have to do multiple things. In fact, let me give you an example of one of our members. His name's Nick. One of them, he's becoming a close friend of mine. And I think a lot of people thought that when we talk about barbells, it was when I showed my barbell, it was I've got rentals, I've got short-term rentals, I've got long-term rentals over here. I've got a construction company that's a service-based business. So here's the thing I learned about wholesaling. It starts over every month. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's my opinion that that's a difficult business to make highly reliable. The folks who have done it have been at it for 7, 10, 15 years. Right. So if you're looking to build a highly reliable wholesaling business, recognize it's not going to happen likely in a year or two or three. It's going to take some time. But what I found is everybody needs a contractor and everybody needs you know renovations and stuff like this. Now, we don't make as much money in that business, but it's highly consistent. We've got people and jobs booked out for months. We make our, you know, five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars every single job. We turn jobs over really quickly. We don't take on a lot of risk because it's not our property. We don't own it. And what I realized was the reliable side is not meant to hit home runs. It's meant to be highly consistent. Yep. And then on the other side, I had developments and raising capital and stuff like this. And they were all three completely different things. Well, what I noticed with Nick 
is that he had that Nick is a multifamily syndicator. He's a, in our, you know, well club community. He syndicates, uh, he's doing a 48 unit uh, apartment complex right now. And he's got a barbell inside of his one company. What he's got is he's got a bunch of assets that are highly stabilized. They started out in the middle of the bar or, or they probably started out on the high upside side. Mm -hmm. Then they moved through the middle of the bar. And his whole point was like, buy a deal, stabilize it, put it on the reliable side. Right. And every new deal he gets starts out on the high upside. He works on it. It's in the middle of the bar. Anything in the middle of the bar is like what you're trying to work on to make reliable. That's the idea here. Yeah. And he's positioning himself so that his portfolio can be exited. He can exit this portfolio to an institutional buyer in the next, let's say, five years. And he's got a target of a $25 million exit for himself. Mm-hmm. That is really high upside. Yeah. You know, huge asymmetric bet. So as he's building reliability into his existing multifamily portfolio, he's also getting exposure to massive asymmetry to the upside. So this doesn't mean you need to go out and have a wholesaling business and a flipping business and rentals and then developments. You don't have to do all these different things. It can be in one business that has exposure to one side or the other. Our whole point with saying this is if you want to take asymmetric bets, you've got to realize that the middle of the bar is a dangerous place to be. Right. And you really, our philosophy is you should only ever have one thing in the middle of the bar at a time, right? You really should be only working on one thing to try to make it reliable. And this is where we get into trouble is when we're trying to, we don't have anything that's reliable yet. And we're working on three or four different businesses all at once. Right. That's the problem. And that's how powerful the barbell is. So as you guys are you know, hearing us talk about this, the way that you can do this, and I, I just, I have barbells dr drawn all over my journal. Like I draw them all the time. <laughs> List out all the things that you're doing. What's reliable? And be honest with yourself. Recognize that most people don't think that they're most people. What do you have that's actually reliable, consistent, predictable, month in, month out? What do you have that has really high upside with really low downside risk? And then what are you working on right now that's in the middle of the bar? And if you can start aligning things where you're taking stuff from the high asymmetric side, it moves through the middle of the bar, and you're locking it in on the reliable side. And the point of the reliable side is not to scale. It's to be consistent and predictable. Naturally, it will grow over time. And this is where uh, restraint becomes a factor. That's right. Man, I feel like we're, we are literally given the secret sauce here, right? Mm -hmm. This barbell strategy is something that um, this is the secret sauce, in my opinion, of what I've seen now dozens and dozens. We have almost we have 100 members. Actually, we crossed the 100 mark today. It's yeah. pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Um, this has been the most impactful framework for real estate investors that I've seen is learning how to take asymmetric bets by aligning with one side or the other, get everything out of the middle, except for one thing that you're working on making reliable. Right. So that's the first tool. What's, first tool. We, we've got probably a two dozen of these, right? So yeah. I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to play the hits today. This is like, 
these are the hits, in my opinion, the top three tools you can use to, to build asymmetric bets into your business and your decision-making. The first is barbells. The second is what we call the four lenses. So the four lenses is a process to think through anytime. This is, you know, again, live ammo. We're like in our business right now. We don't have time to like stop doing everything. Like we have to make decisions in, in real time. So this is a very practical tool to start making better decisions instantly in your business. So again, if you're listening to this, you can, you can go back and you can review, but the four lenses that I want you to write down are time savings, cost savings, revenue generator, and forcing function. And we'll dig into that real quick. But the idea here is um, we face this every single day. Should I do this or should I do this? You, maybe you got three options in front of you. Maybe it's, should I do direct mail? Should I do pay-per-click? Or should I do cold calling? Or should I hire this person? Yes or no? Do I want to go into a new market? Yes or no? Should I buy this flip? Yes or no? Again, we're faced with decisions all day long. So here's right. what I want you to do. Think through the four lenses every time you have this decision. So the first question is, is it a time savings? If I do this thing that I'm thinking about doing, will I save time? So uh, let me just go through them real quick and we'll kind of use, we'll go through an actual example to talk about it. Second is, is it a cost savings? If by doing this thing, is it going to save me cost somewhere? Uh, third is, is it, is it a revenue generator? A lot of the things, I mean, most of us entrepreneurs are geared towards the marketing and salesperson bias, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just go make more money, right? right? If by doing this thing, if I hire this acquisitions manager, if I get this lead channel, is it a revenue generator? And here's the hard part is we need to have data to support whether that's true or not. <laughs> that part <laughs> because sucks. I can't, yeah, that part sucks because I can't <laughs> tell you how many times I'm like, ooh, ooh, I got this great idea. We're going to make so much money doing it. Oh, right. Okay. So do you have a preponderance of data, as we like to say, mm -hmm. that this will make money? Have you ever made money doing this before? Well, no. Okay. Then you're speculating that it's going to make money, right. right? Not saying that that's uh, a bad thing necessarily, but let's, let's be honest with ourselves. This requires a lot of self-honesty. Um, the last piece is what we call a forcing function. And um, this is a really, really interesting way to look at this. It's like, if I do this thing, is it, is it like forcing me to do something that I was going to have to do anyways? What I mean by that is, let's say you're considering hiring a bookkeeper. Well, you're going to have to do your books anyways, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Well, if you hire this bookkeeper, then it's a forcing function for you to do your books. Right. Um, so let's talk about a practical example. What's, and let's just go through it, Steve. What's mm -hmm. a decision you're thinking about? Uh, the decision I'm thinking about right now? Uh, man, there's a whole bunch of different options I'm thinking about right now. Um, so I'll, I'll, here, um, I am thinking about having a person who's in charge of, uh, all the affiliates, right? Both ways, right? Someone that's going to talk to Paul about promoting my sales training, right? And also someone's going to talk to Paul about how can I promote whale club for you, right? So this person whose job is to do this for, I mean, we just have family mastermind, had like 
I don't know, a dozen people like, hey, we should collaborate. It's like, yes, we should, right? And then hand it off to this other individual to figure out <laughs> how this collaboration works. So mm-hmm. uh, a person that's going to be an affiliate manager, they'll also be responsible for the podcast. Guess, since there's a lot of collaboration with our podcast guests, it only makes sense for this person. And I'm thinking about having this person be the, since they're already creating these relationships, also being the main point of contact for uh, my champions list, right? Because we've talked about on the show before, having a, a champions list. Well, I have a champions list, right? Yeah. Now, having this person who's more relationship-oriented be the one that schedules all the uh, relationship conversations with the, with the champions. So that's I love it. a role that we're thinking about doing in, in Q1. But before we do that, we have to, in Q4, create a process and jobs and roles and responsibilities. I'm not allowed to hire until this is done. My team will not let me hire until that's done. Yeah. Well, let's take that. Let's take that decision then through the four lenses. And what I want to say about this is um, our rule, my rule, the rule that we teach our community is don't do it unless you can check three of the four boxes. Right. Because if you can, there's inherent asymmetry built into that. And really, here's the secret sauce is you're going to look. First of all, you're going to try to shoehorn a lot of this stuff in. Be like, yeah, I can justify why this is all these four things, and I'll check it off. Especially if you're a salesperson. Yeah, especially (laughs) if you're a salesperson. So this, again, requires a lot of honesty. And it's helpful if you can put numbers to this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's not like yes or no. It's how much, how much time, how much money, how much cost savings, um, things like this. So, again, if you can have a decision that checks three of the four boxes – you're going to win long term by continuing to make those bets. And really, this, you know, like I say, the secret sauce here is let's say you go through the decision and we'll go through it right now. But let's say you can only check two of the boxes. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, the way that I decided to go about this, I can really only check two. The question is, is how do we engineer this so that we can check three boxes? What needs to change so that I can? So let's go through it. You're talking about hiring this affiliate manager. Is that a time savings for you? Um, it's saving time in that I'll have to answer fewer questions. Right? It's like, hey, I want to do this. Talk to this person. Whereas I don't have to have this conversation. It's minuscule, right? Like how many of those conversations I'm having a week? 15, 30 minutes. Probably more of a switching function than it's a time-saving function. But it'll save time. It's just not going to be significant. So then let's put like a... Like a so I'm writing this down. Time, cost, revenue, forcing function. Mm-hmm. So time, I'm going to say like, it's going to get a half check. Yeah, it's not a full. I, I'm, I, we're shoehorning, right? The time component. So we'll come back to that. Yeah. Because that's a great case in point. The second is, is it a cost savings? Are you going to save cost by doing this? Uh, I mean, what you consider uh, resolving lost revenue right lost revenue potential is that a cost i would say that's revenue generating not cost generating yeah all right is there a is there a line item on your PL that's going to come off by doing this a line item that will come off no i can't say cannot think of a line item that will come off the cost savings is by far i've noticed but because i've been using this for a while Mm -hmm. it's one of the hardest ones to check Mm -hmm. right it's one of the hardest ones to check. So what I found, like I'll give you a perfect example. We did a uh, a webinar like three or four weeks ago mm-hmm. with 
so whale club is geared towards active real estate investors that's what yeah. this show is geared towards but what we also noticed is that there's a lot of passive investors that would really benefit from these tools and also benefit from getting connected with the active investors if we mm -hmm. all speak the same language sure so we decided to micro step it and when i what i said was like okay well let's consider doing a webinar now it's going to take me some time to do this webinar on the front end but it's going to save me a lot of time on the back end because I'm having the same conversation over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to repurpose that webinar and that information for other content that we can produce. I use it for like training for my team so I can show them here's how like we would apply this to different things. So there was a massive um, lever there. I saved yeah. actually some cost because I didn't have to spend more money creating other content, more money creating other thing. I made this one thing and then it could be repurposed to multiple areas. So back to your question or back to your um, decision. Yeah. I can't think of cost savings, but going back to time savings, I am the one that has to follow up sometimes like, Hey, um, we were expecting this amount. didn't come in. What's going on with it? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, certainly it's a revenue generator or ideally it should be. And you'd be putting revenue targets on that to say like, well, these are the targets I need to see it hit in order mm -hmm. to justify continue doing it. So I'm going to put a check there. The forcing function comes into like, yeah, tell me, tell me about forcing function, how you think about that here. Well, I mean, it's something that we have the reputation, we have the relationships, right? We have products that we believe in it would actually benefit our audience to tell them what works, right? So does that fall into the forcing function? I'm not sure, but what I can say is we talked about how important the champions list was, and that is not getting done at a high, high enough level at the moment. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's run through this. So we talk about how you're probably your next, um, the low hanging fruit, so to speak with, with both of us actually is, is the current relationships that we have. Like yeah. we're trying to do more, but like if we just leverage the existing people that we already have that know, like, and trust us, that would go out of our way, their way to help us if we asked. Mm -hmm. Right. So this becomes a forcing function to do that. Right? right. To have someone following up with it's a forcing function to follow up with your champions list. It's a forcing function to add more value to your relationships. It's a forcing function to create the momentum that you're looking for with inside of your existing relationship base. Exactly. Um, so my opinion is this doing this one thing, hiring this relationship manager essentially is what they are. Mm -hmm. An affiliate manager is very similar. Mm -hmm. Their job is to make sure that they're forcing the thing that you know you already needed to do. Right. So I would say, yes, this is certainly a, a, first, a forcing function. So um, <clears throat> it's not a cost savings. No. It's a small amount of time savings, but it is a revenue generator and a forcing function. So right. guys, here's how, here's how we do this. If we can't get three and we only have two right now, mm -hmm. the answer is, is like, well, okay, well, how do we make this a time savings or a cost savings? Right? Yeah. So... Now we can start looking for ways to, by doing this thing, how can it save us time? By doing this thing, where can we cut costs 
that we were already doing. So again, maybe you're leaning into an affiliate manager mm -hmm. and it allows you to save cost in other underperforming marketing channels. This is actually going to lead us into the third tool here. Right. Because we have a tendency to add stuff constantly. We're like, let's just add this on top of this, on top of this, on top of this. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we talk a lot about this idea of naming the puppy. Right. And most people are familiar with the 80-20 rule. Well, the thing is, is, and actually I heard Elon Musk say this very recently. He's like, if you're not cutting, if you're not, how did he say it? If you're not adding stuff back to your business, you're not cutting enough. So what I'm suggesting is, we talked about the four lenses. Let's go into the third tool. We call this recapture and reallocate. Yeah. Okay. So the idea here is great. We want to do this new thing. My thought is, well, if we want to save costs by doing this thing, where can we recapture stuff that at one point in time we thought was a great idea, mm -hmm. but knowing what I know now, I would choose to do this affiliate manager over some other thing, but we've got to have the discipline to go back and recapture that stuff. Again, 80-20 is a principle that's been observed for thousands of years. This is, I think most of us would, would take that as fact, yeah. that the top 20% of what you do is leading to 80% of your results. So we've got to be diligent enough to go back through and say, okay, great. Well, we want to do this new thing. We think this is going to give us higher asymmetry. But we got to make sure we get stuff out of the middle, mm -hmm. right? The stuff that's not working as well. Let's go and give these puppies back, right? We can't keep them all. We're going to get a new one. And we're going to trade. So that would be my question yeah. is what needs to be recaptured and reallocated to this new thing that we think has a higher potential for asymmetry? Fantastic question. I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> right. Well, and the, my point is, is this yeah. is the framework, right? right? This is the process to go through it. Yeah. So, you know, the recapture is now let's start looking. And, you know, I was having a conversation with Dan yesterday. What he helped me realize was like, you've got to get to a place where you're comparing apples to apples. You know, part of like, and this came up because I was talking about this development versus this cash flowing rental property versus this, you know, like, um, um, business which is very different than an investment mm -hmm. and it's like well, which one should i use which one should i do well if if you don't have a common denominator right like if you can't compare apples to apples it makes it really difficult to see well which one has higher upside or with lower downside which one's more asymmetric than another so the question again as we think about like affiliates mm -hmm. that's paying us almost like a salesperson that's very different than direct mail, where yeah. you're like paying for a service. How do you compare those two? Right. Well, that's what we're saying. You've got to be able to figure out how to make them comparable apples to apples mm -hmm. so that we can say, well, you know, we've got five or six different marketing channels and they're all very different. Some of them are relationship based, some of them are pay to play, some of them are like, you know, um, brute force, right? Like cold calling and texting. It's just brute force. Well, Get get that stuff onto a common denominator so that you can realize what can be recaptured. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the low spot? What's underperforming? Let's take that off the table and reply it here because we've got this great new thing that we think is going to give us higher upside. 
But if we stretch our resources thin across everything else and we're not diligent enough to recapture the low spots, to use the 80-20 rule, to give the puppies back, as we like to say, Mm -hmm. right? Well, we're going to continue to push things into the middle of your bar. So that is the last of the of the asymmetric tools we'll talk about today is recapture and reallocate. So anytime you're adding something new and you're going through the four lenses, you should be looking for ways that you can cut the fat, cut mm-hmm. the stuff that's not working anymore so that we can take those resources and reallocate them to the thing that we think is going to give us higher upside. Absolutely. And this is something that came up in our quarterly, which we held like two or three weeks ago. And yeah, we didn't have anything at the moment to, to cut. Uh, at the moment, but you know, things are always evolving. And, uh, yeah, that was the fun thing, right? Like on the flight back from, uh, from Orlando or Tampa, actually, uh, I was going through like, here are all the things that we can do right now to drive revenue. And I was just, I didn't have a common denominator. It was like, okay, which one has more upside? Which one has more immediate benefit to the company? What resources are we willing? Cause I'm just looking, thinking like what resources am I willing to limit as I can't come up with anything to eliminate at the moment, but like, here are all the different things we can do right now to drive revenue. Right. So which one makes sense to apply effort first? Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned something about Elon Musk. So can you elaborate further on what his his uh, comment meant to you? Um, what he's saying there. OK, I'm going to get really technical for a second. We talk about have you, have you heard of the term entropy? Yeah. So entropy is I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm this. This is how nerdy I am. Entropy is, is related to the second law of thermodynamics, mm-hmm. which basically says that things move from a state of order to disorder. And they're describing things in the universe, physics, stuff like this. But I don't know about you. I've noticed that entropy also applies to my businesses. <laughs> they don't get more simple over time. No. They get more complicated over time. Mm-hmm. We start adding stuff. We start, oh, I got this great idea. Okay. We're, we're adding more and more complexity. Add this tool, add this time. system, add this API integration, add this process, add this phone number. Yeah, it gets more and more complex over time. Mm-hmm. And so what he's essentially saying is that if you're trying to build a reliable business, most businesses don't die from starvation. They die from indigestion. They mm-hmm. die because you're trying to do too many things. And now you can't keep track of all of it. And it just it, it, it goes through this process of entropy, mm-hmm. right? It goes from maybe it started nice and orderly, but it gets highly disorganized over time. And so his whole point is if you're not cutting stuff to the point where you're having to add things back over time because you're like, oh, I cut too much. I, he would, he's, his whole point is I would rather err on the side of cutting more stuff. Oh, so he's talking about getting leaner. Getting leaner. So he'll cut Getting things leaner. to the point where it's like, oh, we cut too much. Let's let's add a little things back. Add, add a little bit that more was back. A, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have cut that. Let's add it back. He would rather make the mistake on that side, which is asymmetric, mm-hmm. right? Uh, then he would make the mistake of leaving it because he knows that resources are limited. We don't operate on infinite resources, mm-hmm. but we behave as if, as if we have them. We behave as if, oh, let's just do it all. Let's try all these things. So his whole point is if you're not cutting enough to where you're having to realize, oh, we made a mistake. We need to add this back. Mm-hmm. Then you're not cutting enough. Mm. Man, that's tough. That's powerful. Different that's mindset, powerful. right? Because you're typically like, ah, should we cut this? I don't know if it makes sense to cut this. Like, let's just keep it for now. And he's saying just cut it. And if that was a mistake, 
then rebuild it. Exactly. You can always put it back in. Um, so yeah, that's his whole point. We actually had uh, another guy on our call yesterday. We were talking about some of this stuff and his name's Cal and Cal gave a great example. I thought it's almost like you have to be able to decide, you know, as a business owner, what you're going to keep and what you're going to cut. And he's like, it's almost like when you're a kid and you go into a toy store with your mom and there's like a million toys in there that you want to play with and you want to take home. And your mom says, you can have one toy. And you're like, yeah, but I want all these toys. It's like, well, you can have one or you get zero. Right. So this is part of that. It's like we've got to force ourselves mm -hmm. because we get so attached to the decisions that we make. Right. It was such a great idea at the time to hire that person or to bring on that marketing channel or whatever. But knowing what you know now is the investor frame. Mm -hmm. Knowing what you know now, would you choose to opt back into that situation knowing that you might have a different, more efficient option forward? And that's the tough part of being a business owner. That's, you know, you back to the original question, what's the problem of this the whole discussion? Mm -hmm. People aren't willing to give their puppies back. Yeah. They're not willing to say, hey, knowing what I know now, this is a better option. So you can't have all the toys. You got to pick one. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't leave that toy store with all those toys. You got to just take one or you're going to get zero. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, knowing what I know now, like. So I, I was at uh, Universal Orlando two days ago, right, with uh, with the wife and kids, and there's this ride, the Velocicoaster, really fun, right, and like going pretty windy, right? It's a roller coaster, no big deal, and it goes up this loop, which you know every time you've gone through a loop, right, your butt gets pressed against the seat, right, like your feet go against the, the floor, your your butt gets against the seat, right. That's typically how it works in loops, except this one, it rotates once it gets to the top. So like the only thing keeping you attached to the roller coaster is the lap bar. Right. And then it goes down real fast. So like you're floating in the air for just a moment and you get dragged down. And then as soon as you get your bearings, it goes upside down for no reason. Right. And then it whips hard to the right. The first time it's like, wow, what the heck just happened? It was a really, really fun ride. So after the kids were done and tired, I went back on it again. Second time, you know what to expect. It was not so bad. Right. So knowing what you know now, right. Like would you do anything different? The first time you go through this business, your business, like all these things are like they're, you're getting hit from left and right. Second time, you're more prepared for it. Like, so now knowing after you've gone through experience, what you do it again, I think is a really important point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good one. Uh, we, there's the thing I want to kind of finish with is that uh, <clears throat> there's no judgment to any of this. You know, we've made this mistake so many times. We continue to make the mistake. But what we're doing is we're driving that feedback loop down. We used to make this mistake for years. Then we went it to like decades months. Decades for some of us. Decades for some of us, <laughs> right? And it's a huge win if you can go from making symmetric bets or asymmetric to the downside bets over the course of a decade, get that down to a year. That's a huge win. Mm -hmm. Then if you can get that down to months or get that down to days and now – my feedback loop is usually like a day or two um, because I have these frameworks and these filters to walk through these decisions with. And we know that we can't count on our instincts, our intuition to always lead us to the right place because we're flawed. Humans don't always make the right decisions because we have biases. We have a survival-based brain that's going to tell us sometimes what we 
um, think is going to keep us safe. Really, that's how our brains work, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's not a recipe to create asymmetric bets. It's not a recipe to win in business long term, just reacting to all your impulses. So part of, again, why we use these frameworks is so that we don't fall into the trap as often and as long, but you will be affected by this stuff, right? So again, let's recap. The three tools, and this is, I mean, this is powerful stuff, right? Uh, the three tools that we talked about today, first is the barbell framework. It's a visual tool to picture what do you have on the reliable side? Where are your big asymmetric bets? Huge upside with low downside. Yep. And then what do you have in the middle of the bar? What's that one thing, ideally, that you're working on to try to make reliable? We talked about the four lenses, the four lenses are filters to, to engineer asymmetry into your decision-making, right? right? Because if you can only check one of those boxes or two of those boxes, it's probably not as asymmetric as a decision that could check three or four, right? So when we're comparing options and we're com- considering the trade-offs of three or four or five or maybe just one or two decisions, run it through the four lenses, time savings, cost savings, revenue generating, and forcing function. And if you can check three boxes, it's probably an asymmetric bet. If you can't, what needs to change about the decision so that you can get it to check three of the four boxes? The last tool is the recapture and reallocate. And that means that over time, we're adding stuff to our business, right? Where we've got this great idea, we're going to try this new thing. But if you're operating under the assumption that the correct assumption, I believe, that resources are scarce, then we've got to find the, the stuff that we can recapture and reallocate to these new ideas. Mm-hmm. We can't just keep adding, 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 because it's a recipe to spread everything real thin. So right. we want to optimize for the most important thing. Consider the 80-20 rule when you're thinking about that. It's pretty much what we're saying here. So it's almost the same thing. Yeah. Find the low stuff that you can just take that off the table and apply it to this new thing that could give you more upside and be willing to change your mind, right? That's the real key here is, yeah, I know that at one point in time, I thought this was a great idea, but I'm someone who changes their mind when presented with new information Mm -hmm. that I found a more efficient path forward. Great. Let's cut the loss, reapply it here. That's what a good business owner does. They create asymmetry in their business. And these are three tools you can use to do that. Right. And I think going back to, you know, one of the core sayings, right, and w- within rigging the game is least amount of effort, least amount of risk, most, out of, most amount of options, right? There are three tools that help you apply, get closer to what you want, right, in life with less risk, less effort, more options. So, yeah. uh, Paul, um, you're still doing those, uh, those uh, certainty, certainty calls, certainty sessions? I sure am. Yeah, I sure am, so. Yeah, if you want to learn, like, again, if you got questions about these three things, we've got probably two dozen of these tools uh, in, in the one series that we do with Certainty where we talk about how to help business owners engineer asymmetry into their business. We don't say it that explicitly, but that's what we're doing is helping people make better decisions um, and, and make these asymmetric bets. So, yeah, if you've got a challenge in your business, if you've got a, a critical decision, you're at a crossroads, you're like, I, I don't know what to do at this point. First of all, you can just take what I talked about here today and you can probably get a lot of progress just by really reflecting on these tools. If you want to talk to me about it, you want to get my opinion on how to approach these problems or 
issues or whatever you're dealing with inside of your business, go to realestatecertainty.com. We did just get a brand new website. It looks freaking awesome. Beautiful. Makes um, me want to crack. Yeah, beautiful. Not only can you schedule a call with me to walk through some of this stuff, I'll go through it with you, but you can go on there and you can see what other real estate investors are saying about Whale Club, how they're using these tools. There's, you know, I think there's probably close to like 10 or 15 testimonials now on that site. We've got a, it's like, how many can we actually put on a website? We, <laughs> we, we can't put them all on there, right? But um, yeah, this is what business owners right now in the real estate space are using to create more asymmetry. And uh yeah. So if you want to learn how to do that, if you want to get my input on, on a decision that you've got, go to realestatecertainty.com, click that little button there that says apply. You can set up a little like certainty call with me and I'll walk through it with you. All right. Perfect. So wrap it up here. I mean, I think this is great, great info, right? Creating asymmetry. That's you want to have a sustainable business to be here through thick and thin. This is what's required. So thank you guys. We'll see you guys next week.